like, oh, it's easy for you. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Different Times Podcast. I am Paul Waller, and next to me is my hetero life mate, Daniel Sargent. Hello. I'm Paul. Oh, I'm Daniel. Today, we're talking to someone that we've known for a long time, who when we first met wasn't famous and super cool, and now she is super cool and famous. Was she a dweeb? I don't know what a dweeb is. Was she a another word that I can't think of that the kids call people that aren't cool? She was the cool kid, but she would. Everyone didn't know she was cool yet. She hadn't what? been on like Kerrang or anything. When did we first see her? First night we ever met Justine Jones from Stone Temple Pilots. Yep, yep. Was when we played that first tour with them, and our first gig with them was in Margate. My first memory of them is them saying, can someone take me to the shop to buy some beer? So I walked them down Margate, I think uh, it was her and JJ, I think, the old guitarist, and we all went and walked down to the corner shop and got some beers. She said the reason why JJ isn't in the band anymore, because there's only one JJ allowed in the band. That's fair enough. This <laughs> is fair enough rules, right? Sad, because my daughter will never be able to join. <laughs> it is sad. And she's well up for it. Yeah, when Justine Jones' voice goes, maybe she can be the replacement JJ. That'd be good. Yeah. That'd be good. Because let's face it, everyone but Sammy is replaceable in that band, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so this is about employed to serve. And well, I got a chance, uh, an opportunity to interview her before, uh, sorry, interview Justine, should I say, a bit rude of me there, uh, before the album comes out. And I think. Uh, it's not by whilst it's not exclusive, while it's not anything like that, at least it's something to sort of whet people's appetite because that single's come out and it's a little, it's a you gotta admit, it's different than what's come out before. Still a banger though. Oh, I'm not saying it's shit. No, you did, you whispered shit. I did, I didn't say that. Okay, yeah, I went cross eyed for a bit and a bit starry eyed, but yeah. Um, so it's got Sammy singing on it, he sings on lots of them. Well, Don't you listen to this band? Who? Sammy, it's either Irwin or Unwin, I can never remember. She's not going to be Justine Jones anymore, though. She'll be J.U. Oh, mate, this is... this so is J.J. can come back. No, this is the uh, this is an enlightened generation. Um, I think it'll be Sammy that changes his name. You reckon? Yeah. Sammy Jones. That's Sa- quite a good ring oh, to it, actually. Sammy Jones. <laughs> right, I'm Sammy Jones. Do you want to buy some cigarettes? Where's he from now? I don't know. <laughs> picked up that West Country accent quick. It's a new race I've invented. Uh, right, okay. So, yeah. Um, uh, so that was, uh, yeah, the first time we saw him must have been that tour then. Yeah. Uh, so we booked a tour... Um, we do talk about it, I think, in this. Do you know what? It was only a couple of weeks ago, but time we've done so much in this past couple of weeks that I can't remember what we talked about in the interview. So it's going to be a surprise for me as we edit it. So that's good news. So, yeah, I can't really introduce what we talk about. But I tell you what, I had a great time this weekend. Uh, I was at Down Surge Festival and I was hanging out with Brady most of the day, Brady from Conjurer, uh, as you may know him, and... Justine and Sammy turned up. 
little did I know, I completely forgot that Sammy's in Renounced as well, uh, the band uh, band that was on the bill. So Justine turned up. Record Holy War Records merch desk uh, was sort of sli- all slammed on there. Ah, of course. And uh, I proceeded like I was like, "Where are you guys going?" And they said, "Oh, come on, you're coming back with me." And they invited me back to um, to Brady's Airbnb, where they promptly uh, just got smashed. Like they were drinking a bottle of wine. They gave me a bit. It tasted like blood. Oh. It was horrible. Yeah, you only like wheat beer. That is true. Well, they let me finish off um, some uh, some sort of rum with some flavour to it. Spiced rum, it was called. That was quite nice. And uh, walking back, it, w- it was like that I was just having, I just realised I was having such a good time. You know when you're just laughing and laughing and then that's it, you're on the laughing sort of treadmill. You can't stop laughing no matter what happens. It was like that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. And uh, I just felt like, I just felt really content, like really hate life normally. So it was a good, it was a good twenty minutes <laughs> out of my my horrible existence. So yeah, uh, here it is. This is Justine Jones. She is from the band Employed to Serve, um, and she works for Holy War Records. That's it. We do have a little bit of chat about that, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, Justine. Welcome to Different Times Podcast. Hey, Paul. How's it going? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. And I really appreciate you giving up this little bit of time for us. Here we go. Are you ready? Yeah. First first question. Like, And I'm always intrigued by this because you always talk about new metal. Like, as a youth, <laughs> what were you listening to? Like, where did you begin with your journey on heavy? So, begin, begin. Okay, begin, so what? Begin. Like, when I'm... And I'm like 13. Oh, God. What? Do you know what? It's really not that cool. Okay, so I really liked uh, Limp Biscuit, Linkin Park, um, Slipknot, Corn. I mean, it gets cooler, obviously. Um, yeah, and like uh, as a like dying, just stuff like that. That's, a, so that's where I thought. So I don't know anyone that started getting into metal at that point. Like, there's always been, like, a little bit, oh, my dad was listening to rock music or whatever, and it it piqued my interest. But, like, to... Because that stuff, even though, like, you, people might disagree, is reasonably heavy to begin with. Oh, yeah. I mean, I suppose there would have been a progression there. So, um, I was really into Eminem, hence those sort of rap kind of, like new metal bits uh from limp link uh limp biscuit and lincoln park tried to combine the two names then um and then i think yeah so th- like bands like the red hot chili peppers and nirvana definitely um definitely sort of like was more of a segue for me uh so because i didn't like kind of go straight to slipknot because i'll be honest they kind of scared me when i was 13 and it wasn't until about you know 14 or so i was like oh they're really sick um so yeah I remember when my brother, like I got a younger brother, and he first heard, heard me listening to Corn, and it was that when Jonathan Davis is crying that that bit, and he, oh, yeah. he didn't know how to handle it, and just laughed and walked away, and I, I saw his face; he was utterly confused because he didn't know if it was real or or, or whatever, and I really it made me just think instantly, just like this is something that might be well for me rather than 
for 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 you i'm afraid because like i totally got it a little fun fact i thought snoop dogg was in corn because of the twisted i i literally had no like so when it first came out like in my defense i was 12 um and i literally was like oh there's like there's some rappers in a metal band that's really cool (laughs) it's because of that twisted transistor video and like for ages i was just like oh man yeah because snoop dogg's in there right (laughs) did you listen to any of that like early early stuff like later on like the anthrax stuff where they they joined and like um run dmc and, and aerosmith did you listen to any of that and did you think that was any good or was it just like old man music for you even back then yeah well the thing is yeah like i know it's blasphemous but i literally like i thought like metallica anthrax and all that were just dad music at that point um because of like i jumped straight into the new metal i think i went too heavy and then i tried to go back and i think that was like my big mistake because i'm actually kind of going back through them all now uh like mega death and stuff and i was like oh actually this is really good but at the time i was like nah it's world boring I'll listen to As I Lie Dying or Slipknot, um, which will uh, obviously upset a few people. How did you then progress to sort of like the music that you have settled into a little bit, would you say? So, I mean, how did you then progress? Was it just a normal thing? You wanted something a bit heavier and a bit heavier and a bit heavier? Or was it like you met friends that were into this like sort of more extreme hardcore stuff? Yeah, so uh, I guess like, so I was, I went to the same school as Posh from Harm Reader. Um, he, he plays bass. Um, and he, he was in, uh, he was in year 11 when I was in year nine. So he's like two years older. Um, and then I started hanging out with him and his friends. Um, and they, they, uh, they were like really into As I Like Dying. Um, who else were they into? Like Avenged Sevenfold, uh, Alexis on Fire, like all those kind of bands. Um, so I sort of progressed from the sort of like, you know, your classic sort of Kerrang TV and Scuzz TV music videos into the uh, sort of more underground stuff. Uh, and I gradually sort of got into Cannibal Corpse and things like that. And then when I was 16, I met, um, well, my now fiancé, um, fiancé, fiancé, <laughs> God, that was weird, um, Sammy, when I was 16. Um, and he was really into death metal. Um, and then, yeah, so I sort of got into death metal and then deathcore for a bit. Well, like that, those early recordings have employed to serve like there's definitely elements popping in, uh, like that long time dead counting crows, even like a little bit in that change nothing regret everything stuff. Uh, there, there's definitely elements popping in there of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's um, it wasn't until um, I've said this quite a few times, but like um, heavy fast two thousand and twelve, where I really got into the kind of music that I liked now. Like I, I was quite late to um, discovering Converge, Norma Jean. Uh, all of that stuff and then it literally opened up a whole world so I'm I'm actually really gutted that that festival doesn't go anymore because well it inspired me and Sammy to start this band so yeah there you go (laughs) what what one was 2012 was that the one with Chariot was that the one we went to yeah it was it was the mega year it was good it had Meshuggah Glassjaw Converge uh, Rolex Massey Veils Brotherhood of the Lake um, it's like there's loads more I was, I'm forgetting, but yeah, it's quite Brotherhood a lot. The Lake was so good that time yeah. around. <laughs> they were yeah, so, it was good. so good. Yeah, wow. Okay, we were we were there too, like me and Dan, as um, as a, a couple, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, we were having the time of our lives. Yeah, like uh, we, I'd never heard of the Chariot before that. Yeah, and it was something else. Like I, I'd seen Dillinger, like um, 
when did I, we see, saw Dillinger and Botch actually? So like being well old, we saw them together, and I remember how raucous it was. But nothing prepared me for the chariot and like how yeah. ridiculous it got. It was just mental. Oh yeah, uh, do you remember? Because they did. Uh, was it David De La Hose? Um, and it had the guest vocals of uh, listeners Dan Smith on it yes. um, and he was playing the smaller tent and like they all they just clashed um, and literally like as the set ended like Dan Smith went on stage as if he was going to do, do David De La Hose and I was just like no because I was like this isn't well it never happened in the end because like, I literally thought I was going to witness that but yeah we I were didn't. sitting there with a friend uh, and he wanted to go and see the listener and I said no nah, fuck that I'm going to go and see the chariot and you were sort of on a pause on like a yeah. Or should I, shouldn't I think, but luckily you made the right choice. And Well, that's it. I had the listener record and thought, yeah, that's pretty good. But like, like look at this crowd building up. Look, you can, you know, when you can just feel the excitement in a crowd. Yeah. It was just like that for the chariot. It was, it was weird. And I like, didn't want to miss something. And I'm so glad I stayed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was crazy. I think Norma Jean played that year as well. Yep. Yeah, um, they did. That was such a, it's honestly insane. Um, yeah, God, we were so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, there, there was, wow, let's talk about that for a bit. So, like, were you watching Converge when the Descendants was sound checking at the same <laughs> yeah. time? <laughs> yeah, I also remember, um, I can't remember the vocalist's name, but Meshuggah's vocalist, like, pointing out and, like, laughing at the punk-tastic um, <laughs> backdrop behind them. And he was like, what yeah. is this? <laughs> yeah that's great we had a guy that was uh, a friend of ours was doing like like organizing all the backstage and he'd said he'd never seen anything like my sugar's uh set up and like how yeah. to dead on to the click it is and like all the computers and like everyone had to clear the back it was just like that they had to have a whole nother stage just to set up it was he said it was like the maddest thing he's ever seen it's honestly crazy. Like, I, I, every member must be on a click track, and like, they must have had to have like a quite a few backup computers because if, if any of them go wrong, it'll be the most embarrassing thing ever. Well, let's stop talking about that because that's 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 in the past. Let's talk about a bit of your past. I want to talk about Warmth of a Dying Sun. So I didn't. I, I told you once before. I didn't listen to this for ages because I didn't want to be disappointed because uh, I love the album that come before it. So when it came out, I didn't listen to it for like at least a month. Like even though I oh, had, that's not that long. Yeah, it's not too bad, but uh, I, I, I don't know. I was like really trepidatious about it. And then when the success started to happen, when it like wasn't even hype for hype's sake, it was like uh, you know when a band gets hyped and you're like you can see behind the hype, you see the lies. But this was like people actually delving into the reasons why they loved it so much. I know it's awkward for you to see from like the inside, but hmm. that that feeling of actually this album's really doing something that must have felt great, right? Oh yeah, like it, it completely. Um, the fact that like saying that it exceeded my expectations is an understatement. Like I, I honestly like when we got um, album of the year Kerrang and uh, later on that year we went to the office uh, for some reason. And saw it um, on the wall of all the other album of the years. I don't think it actually sort of sunk in until about then when we saw our album next to Architects, like Guns N' Roses and Green Day. And I was like, this is this is actually just not happening. Um, it's, it's insane, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, when, when you put it into perspective like that, like, yeah. 
Like you've got you've got all the modern bands, but you can just go back. There's a massive history there, and look at all these albums that have changed lives. And then there's yours, uh, nestling very neatly next to it all. It must have been insane. I I, I imagine you like can't even believe that sort of thing when you see it. Oh yeah, I mean to give you sort of more context, I mean at that point um, for our headline show we packed out the whole blue last on a hunt with like 150 people and that was free entry so that wasn't even paid tickets and you got you think these bands do stadiums <laughs> it was like we, we're like really like oh wow there's 150 people here that's so cool <laughs> and then um, yeah so it's literally we're just completely small uh, we're like plankton compared to whales <laughs> bottom feeders did you say so on the way right uh, i i i this is one of the things that, it, fair enough if you don't want to talk about it, but I, I need to know. Right, so you lost X-Men, uh, I say X-Members, you lost members on the way um, uh, that are now clearly X-Members. Um, and it, it seemed heartbreaking, but also you played up sort of the comedy angle, like on social media, crossing their faces out and calling them traitors. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean they're dead to me, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> nah, like, we're still good friends. Um, well, that, yeah. that's it was it purely uh, that they weren't able to commit to perhaps long tours and things like that was that the reason oh 100 percent. yeah you know how it is being in a band like i think um it gets to the point when a band starts climbing it but basically like when we started ets like we were we were serious about the band uh but not as serious as we are now and it was sort of based around the fact that we we were 20 when we all sort of like joined so we we're fresh out of uni used to be in skin um, and like we're just like oh we've got like summer holidays and stuff and we've got some part-time jobs with some cash and let's go tour and then you know gradually as the year went years went on like we kept like setting more goals and achieving them and being like oh okay like well how about we do this next year and then it just kept sort of snowballing and I think eventually like you know understandably members were like oh do you know what I don't think this is actually for me um uh, and yeah, that's just basically how it happens. It happens with like a lot of bands, you know, you just, you know, members like outgrow the band or vice versa. Um, and yeah, but it's quite nice though. They're all, they're all happy. Yeah. It, were they, they must've, uh, when, when they left, cause they left at different periods as well. It wasn't like everyone going at one point. Yeah. They, they must uh, not be ruining the, the moment that it happened, but to see you go from strength to strength and success to different success, uh, it's got to be pretty gutting. I know, I know I'd be pretty gutted about that sort of thing. Uh, so you say you still talk to them now. Have you talked to them? Like, do they mention it to you? Do they like still find like joy in the friendship, or is there a bit of bitterness there? Uh, can't really comment on that. Really, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, every time I speak to them, it's like no time passed. I mean, it's a very intense friendship you form um, when you're in a band together. You're effectively like in a you know four-way relationship or five-way relationship in our case um, because you're always on each other's toes and stuff. But yeah, we got on you know, really well and stuff. But yeah, like, I don't know really because the thing is uh, they left when the band was doing really well. I mean, like we had like Download in the Bag, like Download Festival, like books a year in advance for that um, or like near enough, like it was, you know, on the horizon. And they still left. So that to me kind of shows that it really wasn't for them. Like that they couldn't hold on for the golden, you know, the holy grail that is Download Festival. So actually it makes me kind of happy because it makes me realise they, you know, they definitely made the right choice for themselves. Um, do you well, know what I mean? that's really important. Yeah, I totally know what you mean. 
it's it, when it when it happened there's like that that sadness as a fan there, there's that sadness that are uh, especially as I, I know them as well yeah you know slept around my house and like you know they'd laugh or whatever it's just it's sad but it's also genuinely quite exciting because you don't know what's going to happen next because it could all go to shit everything you built up could go wrong you must have been like uh this is it could be awkward or did you have people in firmly in place in your head oh we we've been very jammy like um so as soon as jj left um i mean come on right there can only be one jj in the band okay me can't be two jjs um and like so when he left um I actually already had Rich in mind, who's our current guitarist and has been for, is it, oh, it's his third year now. Um, yeah, like I just knew him from Basingstoke. Yeah, it's been three years already and three years in May um, he joined us. Uh, but yeah, you know when you just sort of like, when these kind of things happen, obviously I was really quite gutted, but um, you know, I, I sort of knew that like, you know, JJ wanted to sort of pursue a career um, you know, he was happy sort of like in his life and stuff. And it was like, oh, do you know what? Touring's not really for me. Cause you know, it is hard. You're tired and hungry most of the time. Um, so, I mean, that's just me anyway, off tour, but, um, <laughs> it's everyone, <laughs> it's everyone. It's just it's humans. Um, but yeah, like, so I had Rich in mind cause he was just this smiley dude that I just sort of knew from Basingstoke shows. And I knew he was like an absolute shredder. Um, yeah, and I was, and we asked him, and like two days later, or even a day later, he just sent me video after video of him smashing each of the songs. Like literally, just spent. I was like, Justine, I've learned another one. I've learned another one, and like would just send me loads of videos. I was like, well, you're in the band. Um, that must be such a relief. Oh yeah, like I mean, it was quite scary because we had like you know, like JJ would you know, was very nice and didn't leave us in the lurch or anything like that. He was just like, oh, you know, like you can have me as long as you need me, kind of thing. Uh, but fortunately, we were able to relieve him quite quickly. Um, and then who else left? Oh, Venning. Venning left. When did he leave? After Arc Tangent two years ago, two thousand seventeen. Yeah. Yeah, that's that sounds right. Yeah, and uh, with that one, yeah, it was just like another thing. Like you know, he wanted to um, just live life outside of the band, which is fair enough. Um, uh, and yeah, so that one was kind of tied nicely because it was the end of the warmth cycle, and we were just going to go into sort of like record album three, and yeah, it was just quite a nice sort of like oh do you know what this is like sort of the end of this chapter and it's sort of quite a nice clean cut. It was a nice like festival for him to go out on as well. At times it's amazing. Well, wow, so, yeah. too right it is. <laughs> it, that must have been uh, sort of proper emotion, <laughs> like proper emo time for everyone. Oh yeah, like it was, it was the first time other than our London release show that people we felt like people were really kind of kind of like bothered about us, like slash anticipating our set. Like I just remember like coming out going, oh man, I really hope there's at least a four rows of people or something. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I remember like you know when like there's so many people you can hear them breathing, and like <laughs> it's just like that. And I just remember looking out and going, ah, oh, this is alright. It was like a full tent and, you know, people were actually excited that I kind of went on stage to put my water down. So I was like, that's cool. Here we go. This is the moment. You leave Holy Raw, right? And now I... When, I think, <clears throat> when I think of Holy Raw, I think of you. <laughs> I don't think of Alex anymore. Oh, that's sorry, weird. I've, I've upset him. <laughs> it is, He's... isn't it? 
Like you, you are the, you seem to be like the public face, and yeah. <laughs> that's just the way it comes across as a fan of the label. Uh, so you leave them, and like so you've had this disruption in the band. You see where I'm going here. You you have that disruption there, but now you've got this disruption in in perhaps that could affect your life. Like now you are best buds with Alex, so it must have been. Like you must have sort of known how it was going to go, but did you? Did you really know how that would go down? Um, uh, trying to think. Right, so I knew he would be supportive, um, because he's great like that, and he has always been with like some other bands that have left. But obviously, he's never been in a situation where he works next to someone who's left, and I genuinely like. I was so anxious about it. It felt like I was breaking up with a boyfriend like it really felt like you know when you like get proper sweaty and just like i know that i I was scared he was gonna get mad or anything like that i just felt like i was like i felt like a little traitor a little bit (laughs) that's (laughs) what he said oh yeah i just sort of thought like oh i was just like no like because you know at the end of the day the guy's giving me my, my dream job and um also like ets wouldn't is you know wouldn't be where we were now with um you know without holy raw for sure like without that foundation of holy raw and just sort of growing through the label we just wouldn't have you know this fan base to allow us to sign to a label like spine farm so yeah it was just very much like like almost leaving home for the first time (laughs) um so yeah was was he so so you've broken it to him he's like okay fair enough um, you you've you work there every day as you've mentioned. Like I'm, I imagine there'll be people out there listening to this that don't know the scenario. So you actually work full time at Holy Raw. Yeah, so it's my fifth year at Holy Raw in April, believe it or not. And I'm gonna get a tattoo to commemorate it. Um, yeah, five years ago in April, I was an intern for a year. Um, and then I was. Then I was part time for a year, and then ever since then I've been full time. So I've been full time three years now. Wow! Um, and yeah. as you said, dream job, right? Oh yeah, like yeah, I, I get up every morning. I'm like, oh cool, I've got work. Like I'm never like, oh I've got work. Um, which is you know, <laughs> everybody it's, it's, hates you right now. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like I mean, I'm full of it. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in my defence, when I was interning, I was doing six seven day weeks. So I worked in I worked in retail, um, and I was touring. And I was doing an internship one day a week, so I'd always be playing catch up with myself. I'd be making up hol- like holiday days because I'd like run out of holiday two months into the year, so I'd have to like work. So there was one point in oh, what year would it have been? Two thousand fourteen, um, where I was doing seven day weeks for about six months, and then thankfully for the last six months, I dropped down to six days. Um, and I, I felt like I was going to implode when I had two days off because I was like, oh, I didn't realise how tired I was. Um, so, yeah, I did, I did. I did. I paid my dues. I put my time in. Too right. Uh, like, and people that aren't in bands that do as much hard work as you do don't really get it that you need to put in that time, you need to put in that an- energy. It's got to be your total focus oh, uh, yeah. or else things will start to fall apart. It, it can at any point go. Yeah, massively. I mean, like, you know, they don't mean anything by it. It was just always like a flippant uh, sort of remark, but they're almost sort of like, oh, it's easy for you. Kind of almost like, oh, you know, you like your job and stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, but, like, you know, 
I put I put my time in. Like, people don't seem to realise that. They're like, oh, but I have to work full time. It's like, well, I did too. And if you really want to do something, you, you've got to put those evenings in or you've got to put those weekends in. You've got to miss family weddings. You've got to miss birthdays, you know, because there's been a few times where I've missed some quite, you know, important family events for this band. And it's been, you know, very awkward kind of discussion to have with my family. <laughs> so, you know, it's just... You know, but people don't see that, right? So people like see me on Instagram going, oh, look at this I just worked on. Oh, look how cool I am. It's just like, but, you know, behind I'm like constantly letting my friends down because I can't hang out with them for a few months because I'm too busy. I mean, this isn't a sob story. This is totally my choice. Like, you know, this is what I love more than anything and I, I can't think of doing anything else in my life. Um, but yeah, like there is that sacrifice and I think people need to remember that when they see a band doing well. Like, you know, be, be nice to them. They sacrifice quite a lot. Yeah, too right. And, like, it, it hasn't gone unnoticed, the amount you tour. It's like, if, if I wish I could tour that much. Uh, as, as you say, life can get in the way, and it's down to you whether it does or not. Uh, what, what I'm really interested in, Spine Farm also picked up on this and signed you. Can you tell us a bit about how that happened? Did you get an email? Was it a chance meeting? How did that go down? Uh, I'm pretty sure our management spoke to them. Um, because, so basically, actually, like, so another sort of reason uh, why I wanted to leave Holy Rob was I was becoming increasingly um, increasingly torn between the two. So there was a very much a conflict and interest of um, having my band, you know, involved in my job. Like, I found it very difficult separating the two. And, like, there's a lot of times where I didn't want to come across bias to my own band, to our other bands on the roster. So I'd, like, deliberately let stuff, like, for ETS slide. Um, and it was like, oh, I can't really, like, jeopardise the band. But at the same time, I don't want our bands being like, oh, Justine's, like, always posting about employee to serve. Oh, why? I wonder why. Do you know what I mean? So, like, there was a big part of that where I was just like, do you know what? I think it's, like, after being, um, having the two sort of, like, crossed for, five years I get well would have been four years last year I was just like oh do you know what I think it's time to finally separate them um and, and it's it's been so much I'm, seeing, I'm not just saying that because I'm in this situation <laughs> it's all great but like it's, it's genuinely a lot better like I you know I can just do ETS stuff when I get home or on the weekends and uh all my focus is on our bands um the holy raw bands at work which is like how I wanted it and how it should be really so yeah it's much nicer I can separate the two very easily now were you, did you meet Dante yet? Yes, yeah, I met him quite a few times. He was my first point of contact. He came to see us quite a few times. He came to see us in our, our um, Oxford show, um, which was, I know, which was brave of him. Um, it was very cool, actually. It was a really fun, fun show. Um, so it was a good one. Um, a guy, oh God, a guy dropped on his head, though. That was really bad. Like, I heard it over the music and I had to be like are you okay before we start playing um it was really quite sickening actually i heard it heard it over the music um but he was all right he was okay he had another beer though which i didn't think was a good idea uh, i had a, a similar experience at my first napalm death show uh, and my first ever and last ever stage dive where i, I decided i would my first one would be a backflip and i backflipped <laughs> past the crowd onto the floor landing on my head and oh. uh, yeah promptly stood up and just vomited everywhere Jesus. well hell you know if you you know what they say if you never stage die do a backflip going hard 
That's it. Going hard and almost die. That, that's the catchphrase anyway around these parts. Um, so you've met Dante. Like he is uh, one of the sort of journalist heroes of mine. Um, I don't know if you're aware of his history. Uh, yes. Va- oh, sort of vaguely. I know. I know he's sort of like, you know, was very much sort of invo- You know, like wrote about Pantera and bands like that in their sort of heyday. Yeah, well, he's like, yeah, he before that, like he, Raw magazine was like his deal, and uh, you know, it was he was, he was like um, a forger of <laughs> print press at the time. I take it he's on your phone, sort of thing. You can have a conversation with him. That's just madness to me. Uh, it's just oh yeah, utter it's amazing. Insane. Like um, there's there's quite a few people um, such as Dante I've managed to sort of meet as well. I've met um. Phil Alexander as well and like both of them like I like going for drinks with them because you you like you're like oh I, I like feel like a kid at Christmas because they're telling me about the time they hung out with like Phil Anselmo or you know um James Hetfield or just like just casual like they're not you know you know they're not even showing off they're just be like oh yeah I, that reminds me of this time when this happened I was be like oh please tell me more you know <laughs> that when like... they're hanging out with uh, with like James Hetfield they're going oh I was hanging out with Justine Jones <laughs> you know that <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well let's yeah, talk let's <laughs> <laughs> talk we're gonna wrap up in a minute I just want to talk to you about the the where where your future is going the new singles out um the uh, the album uh, Eternal for Motions coming out, exciting times. Yeah, I'm very excited. We uh, we recorded the album back in May last year, so we've been sitting on it for a while. It's been quite hard because we've been like kind of like, yeah, I think I think I've had the final thing on my phone since early summer last year. So it's nice to actually have some stuff out. We've only got one song out right now as well, which is still like. Come on! But it's so it, for, for an outsider, it does seem quite quick, like for, from that album to the, to this album. Like I would, I was thinking, like it, you know, when it was announced that there was going to be uh, one of one of the Holy War bands assigned to a major, I thought <laughs> yeah. it's you or it's Contra. Uh, that that was my thought, and then I just thought, well, it's not going to be if it's Contra, that's going to be ages. Because their album had just come out, but then yours had only come out a few months before, sort of thing. It's like, mm, who's this going to be? And like, when it was was you, it's like, wow! And you've got an album out already. So like, did you have these songs in the band for ages? Were you holding some back? And like, oh, it's weird how quick it is to me. <laughs> okay, so a little backstory to that. Um, excuse the pun. You understand why it's a pun in a minute. Um, Sammy threw his back out. Uh, and he had to quit full time work, <laughs> so Jesus. that's so. What happened was is like he had like a few songs written, um, and then unfortunately um, he slipped his disc, uh, which resulted in a hospital trip, in an ambulance. Um, and like since then he hadn't been able to work full time because he phys- physically couldn't. And he's a, he's a gardener, so uh, his job was like you know physical. So kind of need to bend down as a gardener. He he couldn't even tie his like shoelace for like six months. That must have been fun for you. (laughs) Yeah, it was fine. So, maybe, uh, yeah, so like he had a lot of time. um, And literally, I'd come home and he would have written two to three more songs. Ah, (laughs) So, so literally, this album just like, he just, yeah, he went from working full time to not working at all. So, I think he was just a bit like, oh, I need to do something. And he he wrote a lot of the album. I think we had about four four or so songs already, uh, because Rich, um, wrote a few with them and stuff as well 
Um, but yeah, he was just literally like kind of locked away in our little back room. Um, just recording. Yeah. So that's that's why it like, I mean, we we kind of wanted an album out um, two years on from the last one anyway. Uh, but it, this definitely sped it up and allowed us to um, record in May instead of December, which is what we were going to do because we were going to record in December uh, just gone. Um, but yeah, he just, yeah, he just knocked an album out very quickly. Um, not to say he rushed it, but like, yeah, he had a lot of time. <laughs> well, t- tell us a little bit. This is the final question. Final question. Tell us a little bit about, uh, oh, oh, Daniel's just hit me. He wants to ask one thing afterwards. Um, I want to ask about, uh, the future. So you've got this album coming out. Tell us a little bit about it and maybe like what live plans you've got coming up. So um, at the moment, what we've got announced, we've got what have we got? We got our Manchester show in March, and that's with uh, we've got Raging Speedhorn and Loath supporting us, which I'm very excited about. Um, and then we've got our album release show at the Garage. We've got Devil Sold His Soul and Loath. That's mad, and, right? That's just yeah, mad. I'm really stoked on that because. Um, big fan of both those bands like i'm really excited and and the fact that we're sort of headlining somewhere like the garage is i mean i mean put it this way like i didn't think we'd make it out of camden unicorn um so anything like not not to knock it like i, I love that place I, that, that place is dear to my heart because of like you know beginnings there and seeing svalbard and you guys play there but like yeah i just literally didn't ever think we would make it out of those small venues let alone like headline somewhere like the garage um, so I'm very excited about that. Mad. Yeah. Uh, slash very nervous. Probably will vomit, but it's fine. <laughs> um, and then we're playing Glasgow the day after as well, which, with Haggard Cat, um, which is the uh, the guys from Heck uh, in another band. Well, two of the guys from Heck. They're really good. Um, and Loathe again. So yeah, it's going to be really cool. Um, and then we've got Hellfest, oh, which is mental. Yeah. Honestly, Hellfest is like, you know when like, you see internet flyers, right? And someone's just like made their dream lineup. Like that's Hellfest. But like that, but that kid is a festival organizer. That, <laughs> I tell you what, when I, yeah, you're right. When you see that flyer, it's like you're waiting outside a gig and there's a, a rock disco going on and they yeah. hand you that flyer. Uh, that's actually the gig that's happening in France. Yeah. That's mad. I mean, it sells out before they announce their lineup as well every year. Like I think every year, well at least it did this year. Like it was, it was sold out before they announced anyone. Yeah, it's it's the the common thing, and it's one of those things where I'm always like, oh, it's a lot of money up front, uh, but maybe it won't sell out. And of course, instantly it does sell out. Hey, I'm gonna pass you over to Dan. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally fine. There you go. Here we go. Passing you over. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey, I'm all good, thanks. You all good? Yeah, yeah good, cheers. And congratulations to you and Sammy on getting engaged. Ah, oh, thank you very much. I'm, I'm very excited about doing the wedding playlist. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so who's going to be playing? I take it Conjurer are doing the after show party and all that? Well, uh, we've got quite a few friends bands who are going to do a wedding band, but it's got to be like, I don't know, like family friendly. We're going to we're gonna put some, some Pantera and some Slipknot in there because, I mean, I think they kind of expected it. Um... But like we are thinking of doing like a stag versus hen fest, uh, where we get all our mates' band to play a gig. Because I I hate clubs, um, so I don't really want to go clubbing for my hen do. So I like the idea of putting on a show. So I might do that. I can see that I'm not really a going out to clubs with loud music sort of person either. Um, what I really want to know is how did Sammy propose? 
Uh, ooh, it's very metal in the woods. Uh, so, <laughs> the, the, not <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. So, um, why are we, we in the woods? <laughs> so we um, live in Horsel, uh and near Horsel Common, which is where um, HG Wells' War of the Worlds is based. Um, like, so the aliens actually landed in the sand pits where, like, we used to walk our dog. Um, so, like, yeah, like we just went for a walk there on Christmas Eve, um, and he proposed there. Oh, awesome! So, yeah, very metal aliens and woods. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for talking to us. Um, That's right. Really appreciate. It. I'm going to hang you back to Mr. Waller now. <laughs> See ya. Bye, mate. Once again, Justine, thank you so much for uh, doing this for us. Appreciate it. Well, there you go. That was Paul and, well, Paul and me very briefly interviewing Justine from Employed to Serve. What do you think about this uh, this marriage? Do you think it's going to be sort of like a big, big thing? Do you think magazine might cover it or something like that? I hold, heard they sold the rights to um, Look Magazine. To Look Magazine? Awesome. For two million. She told me she told me a lot actually, which I'll tell you afterwards because we can't talk about it on here. But uh, she told me that. I hope we get invited. Uh, well, she she was in her drunken way inviting people that she is never going to invite in reality. So, so that that's I'm so sorry if she invited you on that day because it probably ain't happening. Uh, but she is going on honeymoon. To Florida, Disney. Oh, I love Florida. Mate. Let's see if we can tag along on the honeymoon. <laughs> They'll like that. You've got an actual Disney tattoo. Yeah, that, that's right. Uh, I went there on my honeymoon, so we were like, chatting about that. And uh, I, I don't know. I just had the best time there. Uh, I know they're going to have an amazing time. So like Daniel said in the interview, congratulations. And uh, that's about it. Should we wrap this shit up, Dan? Yep. See you later, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.